Hi everyone, this is Serena Sun with Breaking Taboo. Welcome to our video audio podcast. Today I am sitting here with Katie Conabare from the UK and Katie is here to talk about her experiences with bipolar one with psychotic symptoms. Katie is a writer. So uh, she started off as a blogger and now she is coming out with her book and her book is a half memoir, half guide on how to deal with bipolar one issues and Katie from what I know today your book is actually um, has launched with the pre-orders right so it's an exciting day for you really exciting yeah um, yeah. Available, yeah available on Amazon at the moment to pre-order awesome yeah. awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah so Katie did not self-publish by the way this is through a publisher and Katie is uh today her book is yeah available for pre-orders on Amazon so congratulations by the way I today meaning October 13th 2020 so yeah. <laughs> don't know when this is gonna air but as of October 13th 2020 um uh, her book can be pre-ordered. So most likely by the time this airs, it, it won't just be pre-orders. It'll be like totally available, right? For purchase. Yeah. Um, yeah. I should say what it's called. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> yeah. So what is it called? <laughs> uh, it's called Living at the Speed of Light. Living um, at the Speed of Light. Awesome. And why did you pick that title? Um, in, originally, it was one of the um, title chapters, the chapter for um, Mania. Oh, great. And I thought it fitted with the bipolar experience. Yes. <laughs> and how it can feel. Um, love it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So bipolar feels like living at the speed of light. Awesome. Andrew, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and we will get into that a little bit later. We'll definitely talk a- about mania and what mania looks like uh, for someone that has bipolar. Um, but first of all, I want to ask you, why are you so open about talking about these topics? Uh, and of course, we're finding that more and more people, obviously, if the work that we are doing is helping, um, are being more and more open about talking about these topics, which is great. But why is that? Why have you made the decision to be this open talking about your bipolar symptoms? Um, well, I was first diagnosed in 2012 with bipolar disorder and it felt like the right thing to do. I had mental illness or undiagnosed bipolar since I was 14. So um, I'd had this thing that I knew was something was wrong, something wasn't working. And then I finally had this answer that it was bipolar and um, I felt like the right time to be open and honest uh, to people. And I'd seen a therapist before when I was younger, um, when I was a teenager. And at the time I was very closed and wasn't very open at all. And what I learned through therapy was how important it is to open up and to talk to other people and to talk to family, talk to friends. Um, so yeah, I learned you can't carry that, that weight on your shoulders. You can't carry it around on your own all the time. It's impossible. You can't do it. So um, what are, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I was just curious. So what are people's reactions usually when you first tell them that you have bipolar? Um, it varies, definitely. <laughs> um, when I've told um, family and friends, it's, it, I've been really lucky and they've all been really supportive and not always got it straight away, but once I've explained to them some of the symptoms and 
sort of pointed them in the direction of different um, resources and websites and things, they they start to slowly get it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I've I've had some really difficult um, experiences as well with with strangers where I was sort of in a place where I thought everyone I've spoken to has been super supportive so I'm just gonna be open all the time <laughs> and <laughs> I had um, a night out and um, I spoke to this this bloke and um, he he asked me what what I did and at the time I was I wasn't working I hadn't been diagnosed very long and I wasn't able to work I was still working on my health and I said oh I don't I'm unemployed and he said why <laughs> I said because I've got bipolar disorder and he just said oh you're you're all a nightmare you're all you're all awful you're all terrible oh wow and I was like what <laughs> huh. do you have um a boyfriend and I said yes he said well you're really lucky to have someone because mm -hmm. I had a I had a girlfriend who had bipolar and she was a nightmare. I couldn't deal with her. Wow. <laughs> and like reactions like that, you just think, what? That's obviously you'd had a bad experience. Yes. Yes. Obviously it's personal. <laughs> Very personal, but you don't know what else has happened in that relationship. And, of course. And I just said to him, well, I think any girl that goes out with you is going to be very unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, what was his response? Was just he just, <laughs> he was what? I just walked off. I just oh, left yeah. him. I was like, I'm not. Good response. Yeah. yeah. Good comeback. <laughs> Sometimes people, there, there are certain people that just aren't going to get it. Right. Right. You can just, you can just tell it's not worth getting into that. It's going to yeah. be a I mean, of course, the taboo uh, adds to that. And uh, there are, unfortunately, a lot of people who just don't get it. And it's just a lack of education or a lack of awareness yeah. and lack, just the ignorance, ignorance mm. around it. So, you know, I mean, we are ignorant to the things that we don't know about, you know. Yeah. So also, but this person just sounded like he had an agenda against his mm -hmm. girlfriend, you know, so yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. <laughs> you don't get that strong of an emotional response, usually, un unless you really have some type of obvious personal mm -hmm. emotional baggage yeah. <laughs> yeah. that you haven't Absolutely. figured out. <laughs> yeah, I think for the most part, people are willing to learn. Right. Um, from right. what I, my experience, people are willing to learn. and That's and good. About things. Good, um, good. About bipolar, definitely. Um, good. Why do you think it's so important to talk about this? I mean, would you encourage other people with bipolar or other uh, mental health diagnoses to be as open as you are? Um, I think I'm, like, on the very open side <laughs> of the scale. Like, I, I... Obviously, you wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, I wrote... <laughs> And there's some very um, deeply Person. personal things in there and things I've done that are very embarrassing that mm. I put in the book. And I'm thinking, why did I put that in the book? But <laughs> No, it's <laughs> great. I mean, as a writer myself, I go through the same thing. I mean, and sometimes it's, it's such a struggle because if it's autobiographical at all, you put people who you care about in the book or people that you know in the book and it's, yeah. you know, and, and it could be even embarrassing for them, but mm -hmm. it's a struggle of, do I tell the truth? You know, if I really want to be open and honest and 
tell the truth, you know, um, how much of the truth do I tell? But, you know, they say that the best stories, and obviously, if you want it to be educational, you know, the truth, I think, really matters a lot. It matters to tell the truth, the way that it happened. Yeah, the way that it happened for you. So it's almost like the morale of it, you know, of being a writer, but it's tough because we also, you know, we're also supposed to write fiction too. So it's a, it's a fine blend and we don't want to hurt people around us. Or, yeah. But I think, you know, at least if you're, if it's about your personal experiences, you know, at least the person taking responsibility for it and the person, you know, obviously you said that <laughs> sometimes you wonder if it's embarrassing <laughs> so at least you're the one dealing with that but how do you deal with that I mean do you have any regrets so far in putting anything down no I don't think so because I know I've helped other people and I've had people like send me messages and things like that saying that you know my blogs or my articles have helped them um help them be more open or help them understand someone in their life and that that's the best part of it that's what makes it that's what makes it so fantastic Um, but um no I don't have any regrets and I think everyone no not everyone has to be like super honest about everything and share everything about them or the mental mental illness that they're living with we're, we're not all at the same stage Mm-hmm. Um, of acceptance and um, understanding ourselves mm-hmm. um, so I think you have to do what's best for you and what you feel comfortable with and I would never pressurize anyone to be really really open <laughs> um, right. if they weren't ready to you right. have to be, you have to be ready and I think you have to have that um, support network you have to have that um partner or family or great friends that are there that you can fall back on if something does go wrong or if you do find yourself in a difficult situation or you get online trolling or whatever you you have people that you can fall back on yeah what what if um someone doesn't have people who are supportive even in their own family or their own relationship what if those people just don't get it what would you say to them you know that's really tough um like I already said I'm lucky that I, I haven't experienced that mm-hmm. um I think with all sort of like family if they are sort of toxic and they are um draining you um it's worth you know changing your relationship or looking at your relationship and saying is this something that I want in my life is this having a positive impact on me is it helping me mm-hmm. why 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 have I got these people in my life right it's important to, right. to look at that and if you feel like you're in a space or you feel strong enough to educate them and to help them understand because mm-hmm. not everybody is mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. you know there are there are different places that you can get support on, there's there's some great people online right. that are really supportive. You can go to um, support groups, all that kind of thing, um, where you can find people that are like your tribe and people that get it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's really valuable if you haven't got that at home. Right. And and one of the things of getting it is understanding that not all bipolar look the same, right? So um, yeah. 
bipolar, even within the bipolar categories, one and two, there's, you know, it's very different. It's very personal for everyone. Obviously, everyone has a different experience with everything, every type of diagnosis, um, day-to-day life or, you know, whatever. Our brain processes things differently and we have different experiences. So um, what are some of the ways that it manifests for you? I'm sure you probably wrote some of this in your book, but... (laughs) No, it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have bipolar type, type one. So I get very, very depressed, like severe depression. Um, what does that right. like? What does that look like for you? So it's um, complete lack of motivation, um, suicidal thoughts, feeling completely hopeless, helpless, feeling guilty all the time, um, not being able to do everyday tasks, not being able to look after myself. Um, Yes. And how Um, long does that last? That can last from a couple of weeks to months. It can stretch on for months. Um, And that's kind of the scary bit is you don't know how long it will last. Right. You're not sure. You think, oh, will this be over in a couple of weeks or will I still be like this six months down the line? Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, there's, it's not linear. It it goes up and down within the depressive episode. so I won't be completely suicidal for six months. It right. might be like, oh, I feel a bit better now during that time. But then mm-hmm. it creeps back in. And yes, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's very debilitating. It's not, it's not good. Right. And, um, with, um, I get um, mania. So, which mania. is sort of the uh, extreme sort of, highs <laughs> but I think that's a very simplistic way of um explaining it because it it's about yeah you get that elation you get that feeling of invincibility and feeling amazing and euphoric mm-hmm. but you also get well I get <laughs> um sort of reckless behavior um overspending um get really angry and irritable with people um very erratic and um do you feel do you feel good while while you're in a manic episode um usually it starts off like that like Uh it starts off like oh I feel amazing I feel like the best I've ever felt right um I can do anything I'm the best at everything I think I'm the best at everything like I'll think oh I can go and write um a novel in six weeks and it'll be (laughs) Hello. <laughs> have you tried that did you try that in, during a manic episode ever yeah, <laughs> okay um, half of it didn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs> like what what do you write about like what what do you mean it doesn't make any sense when you read it back like what's an example like literally some of it would just be gibberish okay um, but it won't be sort of a cohesive right. paragraph and you'll think uh-huh. what was I talking about um, <laughs> it's not made sense in my head but now it really doesn't right um, but yeah and um sort of like half sort of baked ideas that really wouldn't work um but at the time I thought this is this is it this is this is the idea <laughs> this is right the, well yeah. I know I know you spoke about uh earlier with me before you spoke about being feeling invincible while you're in a manic episode so what is that like 
um, that's kind of um, linked with um, mania and um, being delusional. Mm-hmm. So having like um, delusions of grandeur and feeling mm-hmm. completely invincible. And um, it's things like the one thing that kind of gets into my head is that I can't be hurt. You can't um, be hurt. I can't be hurt. Nothing can hurt you. Okay. Hurt me. Like a superhero. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> and I'll do things like um, I'll walk in, walk out into the road. Um, in the middle of the road, in the middle, middle of the, of the street. Road, middle of the street. With cars. Um, with cars, yeah. And um, I've been run over. You've been run over. <laughs> you've been run over a couple of times because you thought you couldn't be hurt and you went in the middle of the road and a car ran over you yeah uh, how fast were they going did were you hospitalized I mean that's really dangerous I was really lucky okay. um because it was on a busy main street mm-hmm. um that I was walking down but they were they were coming down a side street uh-huh. um so I walked out in front of them they were coming to a junction Right. But they were still they were still moving. Right. Um, the first time it happened. And I sort of just bounced off the car. <laughs> and then I was what, is, all... what did you think when you bounced off the car though? Did you still think you were invincible? Did yeah, it... I did. You did. Oh, okay. <laughs> and added to that, you're probably like, oh see, nothing happened. And then I had I had some bruises and things. And oh, no. because I wasn't like badly hurt or wasn't knocked out or anything. Right. It's fueled that delusion. I thought, right. oh yeah, of course I could. Of course it hasn't hurt me. Uh-huh. And um, at the time, I didn't even tell anyone. I I was walking home to uh, my um, my house where my partner was. I didn't tell him because mm-hmm. I didn't think it was important. Because wow, was, no, it's just one of those things, you know. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> just like someone had knocked me or something uh, as they're walking past me it was like it didn't register that it was a big deal at the time Hmm. until afterwards I think it was like a couple of weeks later when I was back down and more stable Mm -hmm. I went oh oh (laughs) what (laughs) and this is when you were not not on your meds right you were not on your meds during this or um my meds hadn't been um, sorted, oh, okay. so I wasn't on medication. I was on was not right for me, and it wasn't doing its job. Oh, um, I see. Was um, it bipolar medication? I mean, were you diagnosed at that point? I was, okay. um, but it wasn't stabilizing me. It wasn't. So I was on mood stabilizer, mm. mood stabilizers that were supposed to bring me level, right. but they just were sending me up. Oh, I see. I see. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it really interesting, even when we were sp- speaking over the phone, Katie, that you were laughing about a lot of these experiences and that you were telling me about, um, especially the more manic getting run over by a car. And, uh, you know, I find that a lot of times when I speak to people um, with experiences like this they like they have a healthy sense of humor around it you know and it's just it's pretty amazing to me and I love it I love that people can laugh about this you know and and um um even I myself sometimes I have a self-deprecating uh, sense of humor but I think of it as like a healthy way to process things uh why do you laugh about this stuff I mean do you think it's healthy to do so I think it is healthy yeah 
I mean, I'm I'm English anyway, so we have a very self-deprecating sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why I love British comedy. I love British shows. I, I like British books. Like I really get the humor there, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of the culture to, to laugh at yourself. Um, part of the culture. Yeah. yeah, but I think, um, yeah, if I didn't, I think sometimes if I didn't, laugh I would cry <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's yeah. thing, you know and um just some of the, and you just think it's so some of the stuff I've done mm -hmm. I think I look back at it and go oh that's so embarrassing I can't believe I did that but then you just get hung up on it and yeah. it's the kind of thing that you think about at night when you're trying to sleep mm. and I'd rather have a healthier sort of mindset and think I need to laugh mm -hmm. at this Right. And share it with other people and laugh with them right. and right. I think having that sort of sense of humor about it it helps other people get it yeah when you're not being so serious about it all the time yeah. um, well I mean yeah. a lot of the uh a lot of comedians um most comedians actually have quite a um hard background a lot of them have like really have been have experienced depression um you know a lot of the the most famous comedians have had a really hard life and they turn that around and they laugh about it, and that's like almost their way yeah. of processing it and dealing with it uh and talking about it like you wrote a book and they like you know go up on stage and they <laughs> do stand-up comedy around it right so uh, yeah another thing that it usually shows me is when i when i find that someone laughs about it is um you know if they're not a comedian um oftentimes it shows me where they are in their uh, healing process like whether or not they they fully are, yeah. they've gotten over it or not you know and typically you know after a few years when time after time passes a lot of times like we are able to look back on something and see the humor in it They're like oh actually you know that was pretty funny I mean I can think of a thousand things back when I was like a kid or in high school or something that I thought were so embarrassing but now I look yeah. back and I'm like that was really funny you know so <laughs> yeah so I, I love it I love that you have such a sense of humor about some of this stuff Katie um uh, but uh, I, I, but I also know, obviously, you know, mania is not always that funny. You did also mention that you um, wanted to speak about how it could be really detrimental and, and you wanted to break some of the myths and the taboos around what mania is. So typically, what do people usually think mania is if they haven't experienced bipolar? Yeah, usually people think it's uh, um, about being happy. Um, and it's just a good time and you're the life of the party and that kind of thing yeah but it's it's so much more complex than that I mean yeah like like you said earlier you can feel euphoric and feel the best you ever have mm -hmm. but it can be as self-destructive as depression can be um more so I think mm. in some ways I mean it's th things like um overspending I mean I'm I have spent thousands of pounds <laughs> frivolously on on like trips away on um designer bags and shoes I'm not, I'm not even into that kind of thing I'm not you don't you're not even into that I'm, normally no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm manic I just right. have this urge this compulsion to spend money mm -hmm. um, and that's actually pretty common in uh, bipolar actually right yeah. yeah compulsion to just manic spending is what it's called yeah yeah um 
and it, it feels like it, it gets addictive and um, mm. it's like a thrill and you just end up with all this useless junk and you think why did I buy all that and do you try uh, to return it after you come out of the episode um no <laughs> <laughs> no um, usually it's like I don't keep the receipts because when you oh. when you're manic you think oh, I don't need the receipts I'm gonna keep this I don't or I have no idea where the receipts are, or I think, where did I get this from? I don't even remember buying it. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's kind of like you black out while you're like in those episodes sometimes and you don't, you're not fully conscious. Think, or like you're, you're so excited almost that in so much adrenaline that like you yeah, don't even quite remember what's going it can on. It be a bit of a blur sometimes of what's mm. actually happened and what you did. Um, right. and, and there's that embarrassment and that shame as well that you, spent all this money oh um, I see do you well do you go on the trips like when you buy tickets away did uh, do you ac- at least go to those trips that you bought yeah okay <laughs> I do things like um I've done things on a on a whim I've gone away um got found a deal and gone I'm just going away this weekend by yourself uh, by myself oh wow I've talked to my partner or you know uh-huh done it with my exes as well just gone right we're going we're going to this swanky hotel I booked, oh, nice. I booked yeah it sounds really nice <laughs> yeah it does sound really nice but I mean I can understand why it's it without like you know being well thought out it could be pretty not, detrimental yeah, to your bank account budget you know you haven't haven't budgeted for it and you <laughs> what what have I done and well, what do your partners say at the time? I mean, were they aware that this was an episode or are they, is it hard for them to tell? And they're just like, oh, wow, we're going somewhere. <laughs> well, my partner now, he gets it now and he knows. Uh-huh. No, don't do that. Um, okay. Moment, um, we actually have a plan now for when I'm manic. Oh, good. He the signs of me being manic. I have to give him my uh, credit cards. Mm, I can't good. spend on my credit cards mm-hmm. um and he he keeps them I'm not allowed to see them and I do things like I'll have um app blockers on my laptop mm-hmm. or um certain websites that I often use mm-hmm. for spending money and I'll put an ad block and I'll put let him put the password in mm-hmm. so I can't get I can't take the ad blocker off and get into the website right um, I see we have, a, we have a plan now oh that's good <laughs> like, with um, my exes, they just thought I was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, I mean, did they know that you had bipolar, though? I mean, or were they, did they know and they just didn't really know how, what it looked like, so they couldn't tell the signs? Well, my partner that I'm with now, I've been with for um, 11 years, so. Oh, okay, okay. We, I was, I was diagnosed whilst I was with him. Okay. But yeah, my, my um, ex-partners, um, yeah, they had no idea. <laughs> they just thought I was, um, you know, I was in my um, early 20s, early yeah. 20s, and they just thought I was um, good fun. And, yeah, yeah, you know. I can see that. I can, I can see how people think that, yeah. I was impulsive and just did things and... Right. Like, okay, right, on. this is spontaneous girl. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm dating her, yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting so what are like the first few signs that your partner or or people can can watch out for um you know uh, the start of a manic episode like even like just the very first few subtle signs that you could teach people about 
Yeah, um, for me, it's sort of like um, my speech my speech changes, so I start speaking really fast. Oh, okay. Um, I'm like, and I won't shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I will not stop talking from the moment I see them in the morning to the moment I go to bed. Oh, um, okay. So you just talk their ear off? Yeah, <laughs> constantly. Like, um, my partner says, I know you're um, almost manic when uh, you, you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, really, I'm really annoying. And he's like, That's are you funny. sure you're okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 I'm okay. Um, so that's always a sign. And it's like when I have too much caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can be like that too. <laughs> but luckily caffeine wears off, but it obviously, but it's doing something to my brain and my adrenaline. And I'm just like, yeah, my thoughts already go a mile a minute, you know, and mm-hmm. then with caffeine, they just, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand. That's, that's how I, understand it yeah <laughs> my own little way um yeah. or relate to it relate yeah, it's, yeah it's trying one to relate of those things where it doesn't go away mm-hmm. it will, that fast pressured speech will be day after day after day after day right. whether whether I've had coffee or not <laughs> right right yeah um, absolutely and I'll do things like um I won't sleep um it will affect my sex drive so I'll want sex more um those are the kind of things like the initial Mm -hmm. uh, symptoms really like Mm -hmm. the warning signs right Um, so if you um, notice someone like not sleeping and talking a lot that's usually a short yeah 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 and Mm -hmm. usually um just having loads of projects Mm -hmm. like I'm like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this all these amazing ideas Yeah. yeah So, okay, great. Okay. I think this is really important uh, for, to teach people because a lot of people obviously wouldn't know, even if they had it right in front of them, just like Mm -hmm. you were saying with your exes, you know, they (laughs) wouldn't be able to really tell and do something about it and and help someone else. Yeah. Okay. So what about depression then um, in bipolar, at least for you and your experience, what are some of the first signs of that, that people could watch out for? Um, usually with me, it's um, just a lack of motivation. It's having, I'm usually really motivated. I'm like, yeah, I've always got projects going on. I'm always excited about things and doing new things. And when that all disappears, mm-hmm. then that's a big sign that something's not right. Mm-hmm. When I start putting things off, um, when I can't face things, when I don't want to do phone calls, when I don't want to talk to people, just when I'm isolating myself and, and, and right. drawing back from the world that's kind of a big sign and do you um, isolate does that include your partner or and your family members so you don't yeah, want to talk to yeah. them okay definitely yeah just just everyone like um socializing just feels like too much effort and, mm. um yeah that that's a big one and um feeling tired <laughs> mine all, all link to sleep right <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's like the opposite end. I just want to sleep mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm really tired all the time mm-hmm. and um, can't get going. So what does your partner do when he starts noticing these symptoms, the depressive ones? Um, I think he finds it more difficult mm-hmm. because um, there isn't like a, a quick fix. There isn't 
something that you can you can't wave a magic wand and make it go away mm-hmm. um but yeah he he knows that i i need support i need someone to talk to i need someone that's calm that's gentle that won't judge me and mm-hmm. will make sure i go and get help if i need help mm-hmm. and um, what kind of help like therapy or yeah so it will be um therapy or it will be talking to my psychiatrist or my um my uh, regular doctor and what do they do um so usually it's um I go to see my psychiatrist usually and we 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 put together an action plan whether there needs to be a tweak to medication whether they think maybe you need to have a bit of therapy um or maybe something a little bit more um like um talking about hospital maybe mm-hmm. if I'm very ill um so yeah it's it's about coming up with a plan and when I have a plan when I'm depressed I feel a bit better I think right there's something that's happening okay um so it does help okay yeah there's some we, we've got something to move forward mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. um yeah can I ask you like what besides medication and just waiting for you know the episodes to to go uh to go away and for you to come back to um more normalcy you're talking about these things that you do um do you think that they do help you and like uh coming out of the episodes a bit faster or you know do you whether it's manic or depressive are there things that people can do to help you come out of those episodes or no um i think so um it's like, um, I think you have to have uh, quite a lot of self-awareness and I think it's important firstly to know what your signs are, to know what the warning signs are and to be able to do something about it, mm-hmm. like get some help, get some support before it gets too severe. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I find, that's what's helped me. Um, but sometimes you can't, you can't stop something. <laughs> Like um, with like a depression, for instance, I just had like a bad bout of depression and there was nothing I could do about it. It just, it felt like I just needed to ride the wave and let it happen. Um, but I've learned, you know, coping mechanisms and, you know, I have like a, a crisis box, like a self-care box oh. that I have for when I'm really struggling. What's in your self-care box? It's very sort of sensory. Um, so I've got like um, fluffy socks in there. I've got like um, candles. I've got like a lavender cushion that I can heat up because like, you know, warmth makes me feel better, especially if I get panicky. Um, I have like my favorite, I have like old CDs and um, DVDs in there from like good times or childhood that are like comfort music or comfort shows that I will put on or listen to that make me feel secure mm-hmm. um, nice. yeah things like that and I yeah and, and random things that made me laugh oh, nice. um. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in like these episodes now that you have the awareness of you know your diagnoses um, and typically how it goes do you does it help to tell yourself like okay this is not this is only temporary this is going to go away like do you know that now and it's not as scary I guess would you say yeah definitely 
yeah, I know, I know from experience, okay, this will go away. And I know I have um, people around me that get it. And um, I understand myself and mm -hmm. I understand my symptoms. Mm -hmm. So I can be, I can be more aware. Does that help alleviate the symptoms? Isn't I think in a way, I think in a way it does because I, I feel more in control because I don't feel so out of control. I'm not, I know what to expect um, from yeah. the experience. Nice. And I think that really helps. And it helps me explain myself to other people and to medical professionals if I need to. Yeah. I, I can explain this is exactly what's happening. This is how I feel. This is sort of on a one to 10 scale of where I'm at right now. Um, because I've been through it before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, obviously the power of awareness is more evidence that the more, the more mm -hmm. we know, right. Yeah. <laughs> the better off we are. So yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Um, is there, okay. So is there anything with the last remaining time that we have here um, that you would like to add on to this or share uh, to the public, even if it's uh, something within your book or it doesn't matter? Is there anything else that you'd like to add? <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I obviously I need to plug my book mm -hmm. <laughs> again. Yeah, plug. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, living at the speed of light. Um, you can pre-order it now. It's out in March 2021, but available now for pre-order. Okay, and March 2021. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's, you know, it's a mixture of my own experiences with bipolar disorder, but using that experience to sort of give people a no-nonsense guide to bipolar. Yeah. So it explains, for, for newbies, it's, it's good because it explains it. But if you live with it, it's a good guide, sort of, you can relate to it. It's got a whole section just for family and friends, for them to understand bipolar a little bit better and to know what to do and how to help. Love it. Um, yeah, it's got a whole chapter on sort of life and relationships and work, how to navigate that, and then how to deal with stigma and discrimination. So I've tried to cover as much as I possibly can. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> About the so experience. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I find it also uh, pretty interesting that there's so many people um, uh, who go through mental health issues who are writers or become writers as a, as a way of processing what they're going through or journaling, you know, and then later yeah. on, uh, able to do amazing things like actually use that writing and come out with a you know published book or educate others or you know so I think it's great you know not only I always say writing itself is a form of therapy but not only obviously as a form of therapy it's also a way to like uh, help the world you know so yeah wonderful beautiful beautiful <laughs> um okay so last question I always like to ask uh something similar to this but you know what would you tell someone? Is there any advice that you tell someone um, who may be uh, suspecting that they might be, they're not diagnosed yet, but perhaps they're wondering if perhaps they do have bipolar or some of the symptoms that you say really resonates with them? You know, let's say they're listening to this and they're thinking, mm -hmm. wow, you know, what should I do now? Uh, what would you tell them? What should they do? Do you have any advice for them? Well, um, 
what I did, what I was asked to do when I was first diagnosed mm-hmm. was keep um, a journal, a mood journal, um, to chart my moods every day. Um, and I did that for about three months. And that's what helped me get my diagnosis because they, the, at the assessment, the psychiatrist could see that my moods were all over the place, mm. um, that I had, you know, depression and then I had um, mania within that time period. What was it? That sounds like a very short time period. You mean within yeah. three months? Um, yeah, it was. I was I was a bit all over the place at the time. <laughs> um, I think when I started the journal, I, I, I was, I'd been depressed for a long time. Um, and that's what triggered the um, talking to doctors and things like that, because I knew I needed to do something about it. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend trying something like that if you're worried about your moods um, and um, looking at sort of like, like keeping like a, looking at like a chronology, like making a chronology of what you've been through. And if you can chart big um, stages of moods mm. and big experiences that you've been through and you think, oh, that happened when, and then linking it to a mood, um, then you can kind of chart <laughs> sort of different different mood states and things like that. And that's something else that helped me get a diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think obviously if you're worried, you should definitely talk to someone about it. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out and no. talk to people. Yeah. And I love that uh, journaling, uh, keeping a journal of your moods every day and tracking uh, what you, how you feel every day. I mean, we should all do that. Katie, thank you so much. I think you are so such an inspiration for all of those out there. And um, thank you for you know all of the great tips that you gave today and being so open with uh, your own personal experiences with bipolar. And we can't wait to read your book when it comes out. I will definitely be recommending it as a guide for anyone who is um, curious about what bipolar is. So uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, when it comes out, let us know, make sure you tag us or shoot me an email or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time over there in UK. It's nighttime for you. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you. Bye, Katie. Bye. Bye.